Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Dale in Arlington. Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thank you, sir. I do appreciate it. The house faces southbound, and I'm going to put a portable home power generator on the west side of the house, the only place that I have in order to do that. I'm running a gas line, caddy corner, southeast to northwest, but I have to find a way to shade that particular home power generator, and I'm going to use some old blue tarps that I have here, and I'm going to have to figure out a way I can drill these hooks into the brick itself. I've been told not to do it into the mortar, that will give way, but to do it into the brick, right. there are a number of different hooks that I have found at the different home improvement stores, uh, and also a wide variety of different glues, sealers. Is there one way or another that is better to do that? And secondarily, if there's time, a question about that gas line. Well, I guess on the first question I have is using those blue tarps. Uh, you understand you won't get but probably a year or so out of each tarp. Uh, that is correct. The okay. one and only reason why I'm using these blue tarps is they're already about 10 or 12 years of age. Yeah. I might as well use them before they completely disintegrate in the storage shed. Yep. And then I can go down and buy me a white or off-white tarp of a little bit better quality. I might get two or three years out of that tarp. Correct. Okay. So as far as what you can use to anchor it, you, you've got several choices. One... They make these blue screws, they're called tapping, and they're used for mounting into concrete. And those would do it, but uh, quite frankly, uh, by having to change out the tarp, that would become a problem for you. So what I would look at doing is using a masonry anchor. And basically, that'll be a lead anchor, and it'll they, they make them that, that have threads on them that you can hammer into place, put your bolt basically into it to, uh, you, you got to drill a hole first, hammer that into place, and then use the bolt to hold the tarp into place. And that way you can just take the bolt off, put a new tarp up, and bolt it back in place. Yes, particularly since uh, tarp to tarp will have a different spacing for the eyelets. I knew that would be a problem. Yeah, it will be, but pick you up one of those uh, eyelet machines. Uh, you can get them at the box stores for next to nothing and just add the, the eyelets exactly where you need them for the bolts that you put in. Okay, tell me the name of the bolt again. It's a masonry bolt? It's a masonry anchor bolt. Masonry anchor bolt. Yep. And I can get what I need from there. Excellent. Yeah. I will go back and look for that. How much time do you have on that gas line question? I got plenty. I, 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 got, I got about an hour and 45 minutes. So. <laughs> Well, I'll only take about half that. Okay. All right. I've already had uh, Atmos come out, and they have changed my meter from a standard gas meter to a high flow because this is 225,000 BTUs with six to nine uh, spread on the water columns. So I've got plenty on there, and he added an extra tap for me for an extra valve. I'm going to run up a uh, standard hardline pipe into the attic, and I was considering a uh, plastic pipe, the orange or the yellow plastic pipe, run to the caddy corner side of the house. We're going to have to figure out a way to anchor it up midway on those vertical studs so that any rodents that might get up there don't chew through it. 
I'd hate for the house to blow up like that. Right. And then come down to the other side. Uh, any suggestions? Well, uh, everything that you just talked about is is readily available. Uh, you know, at the stores where you get the from any plumbing supply store where you get the materials for doing it. So yeah, the, I mean, you you didn't bring up anything that's odd. Excellent, practically perfect in every way. My record is intact. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> Please take care, sir. You too. Take it easy. All right, let's head to Fort Worth, Jim. This is Jim. How can I help you? Yeah, hey Jim. Uh, about Thanksgiving or so, we had our our bottom floor redone. We you know put new baseboard and and vinyl plank down and painted and all that. Well, uh, about a week ago, there was a leak and and thank thank goodness it wasn't under the foundation, but it was in one of the walls where the baseboard they put a nail through a pipe and it took that long for it to uh, to start leaking. Yeah. Um, took out about half the floor of, of, of plank and, and baseboard in the house. And we had to, you know, dry, you know, to get the, get the remediation in to get the water out and all that. Do I have any recourse with the contractor that put it down? Uh, I mean, maybe I'm trying to, you know, I'm just trying to come up with a way to, you know, Pay for it. Uh, there's a deductible involved with insurance sure. and all that, you know, and I'm obviously going to have to get, go through the, the whole process again. And um, he was good. It just, you, you yeah. know, there was a mistake made, you know. Now, I would guess, and I'm, I don't know this for, for a fact, but I would guess that his contract has a clause in there that he's not going to be responsible for unforeseens, and that would be an unforeseen, yeah. uh, know, knowing where the pipe is. Secondary... Sure. Uh, my thought process is, uh, and I'm not an attorney, but I would assume if there is a recourse claim, since your insurance is paying for this, uh, they have the right to the claim. Right. Right. I'm not. Yeah, and that's fine. And I I don't mind bringing him actually back to do the work. You know. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but just you know, I was just wondering on you know. Outside of the insurance, is is that a, a reasonable conversation to have with him? I guess at that no, point, I would. You know, I don't think I, I would tell you if I was if I was the the business owner, and yeah. I had this happen, you'd be getting one heck of a discount. Okay, that's that's kind of what I was thinking too. I, I'm not ex- asking for the you know the world. I understand issues and yeah. problems happen, but um maybe maybe just some help on the on the on his end as far as getting the work done yep. uh, that would be great okay yeah. well that's why that's really what i need to hear thanks jim you bet just a reminder it's a huge help if you subscribe to rate and review the podcast it helps people find us i got a, an email just a little while ago from uh charlene and crumb she says you recommend running soaker hoses twice a day around a house which i do I have heard to use gutters to divert water from around the house. That seems like opposite solutions to foundation preservation. I haven't heard you talk about gutters, so was wondering what your opinion is. Thank you. Well, I will tell you, I don't have any gutters on my own house. Um, gutters are fine in areas where you have doors, patios, things like that. But if you have water that comes off the roof, and can run away from the foundation, you don't need gutters, as long as the gutter's not cutting into the soil or tearing something up. 
Uh, and in, and if it is, you may need to look at getting something like a rain handler, which takes that sheet of water and breaks it into droplets so it's not cutting into the soil. So if you're getting too much water, the thing that, that they're trying to do with gutters, or, or originally what it was for, was you didn't want ponding water next to the foundation. And so everybody's taken this good thing and gone to the extreme. Well, if we don't want ponding water, let's put gutters everywhere and, and run the water away from the foundation. And it, it's really not needed everywhere. Uh, some cities require it. And uh, shame on them. It shouldn't be in the building codes uh, because, like I said, it's not an absolute. Um, so basically, if the water can come off the roof and run away from your foundation and not puddle next to it, you don't need a gutter. If you've got a patio, doorways, areas like that, uh, then yes, that's an area for a gutter, but you don't have to do the entire home. What you're looking for is even water dispersal around the home to keep the soils expanded. And when water puddles and stands and stuff, you're not getting an even water disbursement. Dave, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, Jim, thanks. Um, boy, I, thank you for the, the note on the gutters. My my bride and I were disagreeing as to whether gutters were absolutely needed, and I will share with the, uh, her your um, your wisdom, and then I will end up in the doghouse. Um, <laughs> but the thing I did, I, I did call for is I have a house that it has a uh, uh, conditioned attic. It has the uh, foam blown or sprayed foam insulation, uh, onto the uh, roof rafters, and uh, but the garage is completely uninsulated. Right. I would like to insulate the garage now. The garage does have a ridge vent right now mm-hmm. uh, because you know it, it it didn't have an insulated. Uh, I, I I'd like to go in with foam, uh, and so that I can have a reasonably uh, temperate, uh, you know, Texas basement up in the attic there. But uh, I just wanted to see what your thoughts were of putting is, is foam the in my garage. Is the garage attached to the house, or is it detached? It is. It is attached. Okay, and so it's all one attic space. No, sir. No, the uh, there is uh, sheetrock between and insulation between the living space, attic space, and the garage attic space. Okay. And the reason I was asking those questions, a garage typically is not insulated. Uh, because adding insulation actually would be detrimental uh, as far as heat control in the in the uh, garage and stuff itself. If you're not going to heat and cool a space, you don't put insulation in it. Really? Uh, yeah, because the insulation will absorb the heat during the day and just slowly releases it all night long, getting ready for the next day. Uh, what gotcha. insulation is is a resistance, and so... In the middle of your insulation, if you would, if you cut the insulation in, in into sections, you'll find during the day you've got a hot section and a cool section, and so the battle of temperature control is fighting within the insulation, and there's nothing to fight against the heat, and so it just builds up in the insulation. It, it does absolutely nothing for you other than make it hot longer. I see. So if I, if I do decide to try to put some sort of, I mean, I don't want to try to air condition it to the level of being inside the house. Sure. But, you know, when I'm working on the car and I'm sweating so bad I can't but, even see. Take a look at uh, Energy Q 
radiant barrier. Yep. Put that up. That. Yeah, put that up on the attic floor in that garage, and okay. you will probably make your garage fifteen degrees cooler. Oh, that's beautiful. That's kind of what I'm looking for. Yeah, it, it'll do way better than putting insulation up there. And don't worry about the walls, because the walls are just empty cavities. Well, you, there's not much you can do with the walls. I mean, you, if you want to see how this stuff really would work, just hang some on the walls, and, and, gotcha. and you're going to see just a tremendous difference. But you won't want to look at that stuff hanging on the walls all the time. But, uh, yeah, it, it can go on the walls. If you didn't have sheetrock, it, it could go behind the sheetrock even, but since they're all built out, you don't want yeah, to tear the garage up to put it in. But, you know, the majority of your heat is from the ceiling anyway, so do it first, and and you'll find it'll be much more comfortable. Yeah, my understanding, what, 80% of the heat comes from comes through the roof? Yep. Okay. Thank you, sir. That's all I had. You uh, have a, a wonderful rest of your weekend. Thanks for the help. You as well. Thank you. Let me take care of an email question that came in from uh, Albert in Katie. He says, uh, hi, Jim. I'm installing a water tank, 300-gallon, inside our garage as an emergency water source, which will be connected to our water line through a bypass from the city line. Since I need a pressure pump on demand to move the water to the entire house, what size pressure pump would I use or any brand you may recommend? Also, should I install this pump before or after the whole house water filter conditioner? Thank you so much, Albert. Well, you can install it uh, at either spot, but if you want filtered water and cleaned water, you're gonna you'll install it before it goes into the filter. As far as what you would be looking at for a pump, you know. City pressure comes in typically 55 to 80 PSI, somewhere in that range. So you don't have to have it that high, though. I mean, if you get something that's going to go up to 40, 45 even, you're going to be good. Um, a, a, a brand, you know, there, there's just so many out there. I really don't want to give any type of brand on it. Um, but I, I will tell you, you don't necessarily need to do anything beyond the pump itself. Now, you could do a pressure tank like a well has and run it that way or literally just have a pump that goes in the water and pumps straight into the line to pump the the water to whatever fixture. What's going to happen is as you turn more fixtures on, the water flow will drastically start dropping because it's being dispersed at other locations. But you're using this as a backup supply, not primary. So I really don't see where that should be a a huge issue with it. Um, The big thing is going to be you got to have a diverter. Uh, You don't want this thing pumping in on your city line. And quite frankly, you better check with the city before you even hook it up because most codes aren't going to want you to do this. So just a, a, a little side bit there, because what they don't want is the water supply being contaminated. And if your valves don't work properly, you could be pushing your water that you've got in, in that tank into the city's water supply. Uh, and that would be a huge problem. Fred in Joshua says, we received a 20-minute 
heavy rain while a roofer was installing our new roof. All of the synthetic underlay was in place and half the new shingles were installed. How long should they wait to resume installing the shingles to make sure everything is dry enough to avoid problems later? You know, they really, you just got to wait for the bulk of the water to come off of it. Uh, Some minor moisture underneath there ain't going to hurt anything because it will dry out fairly quickly. Uh, But you don't uh, obviously want to throw the shingles on over solid, wet stuff. Uh, But it does, it literally, a a few minutes, especially if the roof has a good slope to it, uh, is going to be all it's going to take. It really does not take much. So a lot of times, even if a roofer's roof, do, putting a roof on and a rainstorm comes, rainstorm stops, within just a few minutes, they're able to start working again, and, and you'll be fine. Not, nothing to nothing to lose any sleep over. Ronnie, how can I help you? Yes, sir. We had company come out and check the air conditioning for like a summer tune-up, whatever, uh-huh. and... He, he changed a couple of capacitors, different things, and did okay as far as inspection for it, what I could tell. Then, while he was outside, I got to notice in the condenser coil, a couple of areas, the aluminum fins on the copper tubing have corroded and are uh, blocking airflow. I asked the gentleman about me taking a water hose and trying to kind of wash that off, whatever, and he strongly suggested I didn't do that. I can't. I'm wondering what difference would it make if they're blocked, and if I do remove the fins, uh, what what should it hurt? Well, uh, it can, if the fins come off, cause pinholes in the coils themselves, and and that's really the only the only issue that you'd have to worry about. Okay. And quite frankly, it does not happen often at all. I mean, that, that is an extremely rarity. Uh, I have no issues with you going outside and cleaning those, uh, you know, the coils outside with a water hose. Uh, you don't okay. want to go on it with a blaster because you will bend the, the fins and everything. But to just rinse them off and, and blow the dirt and stuff off of them, not an issue at all. Stacy in the Woodlands says, I did see that there are several tester equipment products. She's talking about testing for home air quality testing. Uh, But none test specifically for mold. Is there a company that does this as a service, or is it better to just do the mold test and send it off to the lab? Is there a tester or mold test that are better? Well, Look, there there are companies who will come in and do all the testing for you, um, or on if you're trying to test the mold, uh, the air, the mold in the air, you you basically have a test system that you open up a petri dish, got to leave it open for so long, close it up, and you send it in, and they do the test. I don't know of any home test where you can just take care of all of it yourself on site. Almost any of them I've ever seen are required to be sent in because they process it through 
a long period of time in order to uh, and and I say long we're, we're not talking months or anything but it does take a little bit of time for it to to grow properly so that they can test it so uh they were carrying them i don't know if they still do but they were carrying them at home depot and i think they had them at lowe's as well and it was a service that had to be sent in now that could have been done away with because people aren't quite as crazy about the mold as they were say two years ago uh but there are still services out there that do that uh as far as a service if you want to call somebody uh surf pro does it there's mold remediation companies that do it um so that that'll give you a couple places that you can check on if you just want to have somebody come in and take care of that for you and uh stacy unless you're seeing mold and stuff in places don't don't get overly concerned uh you know people freak out the first time they see just a little bit of mold our houses have always had mold it's just a matter of what type and how much of it do you have? And one of the things that can, is contributing to it is we're making our houses tighter and tighter. They don't breathe as much. And that is increasing the amount of mold we have. And we're even taking old houses and converting them and making them tight. You know, like old houses that had wood floors in them. And now we're covering those wood floors and we, we put the waterproofing membrane down and uh, new floors on top of it. Well, you change the breathability, and that's why the floors underneath start cupping because they're only exposed to the moisture from under the crawl space. So a lot of times the stuff we're doing to our homes is what's causing our own problems. So we, we need to think more long-term than just, uh, you know, this is the latest and greatest thing. Sometimes we have to look at, okay, what are we changing when we add this stuff to our homes? Richard, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thank you. Uh, yes, I'm in... The Crosby area, which is near uh, Houston, uh-huh. scorching, and it may you may have already covered it, but attic. I've got the AC clean, tuned, everything it'll do, and it's actually a fairly new unit, but it's just this heat is really giving me grief. I mean, my question is between radiant barrier and blowing in more insulation, what would you recommend, and if so, who would you recommend? Well, how much insulation do you have right now? Uh, right now, it's the laid-in bat, which is probably just the six-inch standard uh, rolled-in insulation. Okay, so you probably have a, a, a on our uh, six inches R thirteen, R fifteen at best, probably. Um, I would say no more than twelve. Just guessing. Yeah, so. You know, the recommended amount of insulation nowadays is 15 to 16 inches. Uh, you're looking at an R38, 39, something along that line. Um, so you could do that. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, I have a 3,000-square-foot house. I have about uh, a third of my house has no insulation. The rest of it has maybe four or five inches. And I have the Energy Q Radiant Barrier laying on the attic floor. I run a $200 a month electric bill. Keeping the thermostat wow. at 70. So which would you do first? The uh, Radiant Barrier or insulation? Well, I put the Radiant Barrier in 19 years ago. So 
I never really came back and put any insulation in. <laughs> Did, you said you put it on the floor versus yes. the spray-on? Yep. Uh, the spray-on's actually not even classed as a radiant barrier anymore uh, because it really just doesn't meet the minimums. Uh, a spray-on radiant barrier, if everything is mixed properly, it's sprayed to the right thickness, uh, coverage and all that, blocks 65% of the heat. A foil barrier, like the Energy Q, like I'm talking about, is blocking between 95 and 97% of the heat transfer. And this, this product, the Energy Q, is a multi-layer system, lays on the attic floor, and where you can really tell how well it works is put a sheet over the uh, pull-down staircase, and you can pull your staircase down and have absolutely no heat coming into the living space of the home until you walk up there and move that sheet out of the way and and now you just got tons of heat dropping into the house it, it's a it really does work well and you know it, it's hard for people to concept how that works but if you go back to the old apollo days and you see the the gold foil that was on everything that was a radiant barrier and that's basically what we're dealing with the the radiant barriers we use on earth here are aluminum versus gold because money talks but um really in the situation you're in i would probably just put the radiant barrier in and be done tom how can i help you hey jim good afternoon we are doing a bathroom renovation right now and uh have put up uh, kind of a nice decorative shiplap wall in the bathroom there and my question for you is just around paint uh, because our contractor is recommending that we use an oil-based paint or a hybrid paint uh, for that shiplap wall in the bathroom. And uh, we're getting a real education on the availability of oil-based paint right yep. now, which is a really sad story. Um, and so um, we're just wondering now and trying to understand the sort of uh, physics of that is there a reason we couldn't you know go in there with latex paint uh and do that if the wood is is primed yes uh what, what you'll find is latex paint as the humidity levels go up in a, in a bathroom like somebody's taking a, a hot shower or something it will actually mm -hmm. get streaks in it from the moisture the oil okay. the oil base won't and yes, the oil base is miserable to find right now. Okay, even if the wood is uh, is well primed and everything, the, yeah, the it, latex. It, it, the it's, latex. it's not the wood that does it; it's the paint itself that does it. Okay. Wow. Um, okay. Any any suggestions as we wait yeah. for the next uh, if, if, ship? From uh, China? If you can't find the oil base switch over to an exterior paint because it can handle the moisture better. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.